Welcome to the Secret Origins Podcast, a review show dedicated to the Secret Origins comics published by DC in the 1970s. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and boy am I excited for this episode. Two of my favorite characters get their first appearances reprinted in the special issue, Robin the Boy Wonder and Aquaman, King of the Seven. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, Ryan. This is not an episode of your beloved Secret Origins podcast, because as we all know, Aquaman never got a chance to be in the Secret Origins series of the 80s. He was unceremoniously left out, so this is going to be an episode of the Fire and Water podcast, because that's where we are to talk about Aquaman. So if you're willing to join me, we will talk about the secret origin of Aquaman in this episode of the Fire and Water podcast. You up for it? Well, since he is one of my favorite characters, I suppose. All right, good enough. Let's start the show. talking about the secret origin of Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, is the host of the Secret Origins podcast, and give me those Star Wars and the power of fishnets, all to be found on the Fire and Water Podcast Network, Ryan Daly. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Rob. Hello, world. Uh, yes, I'm very excited about this because I have been wanting to talk about the secret origin of Aquaman on this show for a long time. And, and of course, as I mentioned in the intro, the secret origin series of the 80s, which Ryan has been so expertly chronicling all these uh, years now, I guess, uh, they never got to Aquaman. So we're going to cover it here. Now, they sort of, there's a little bit of an asterisk there in what I just said. You can't see it, of course, because this is an audio medium. There was a DC Secret Origin series in the 70s. It ran in 19, for just less than a year, 1974, and it featured nothing but reprints of Golden Age and Silver Age tales featuring the some of their uh, bigger characters. And, of course, Aquaman is one of those bigger characters. Uh, he headlined, co-headlined with Robin in issue number seven, the final issue of the series featuring the reprint. Uh, of his original origin story from More Fun Comics number 73 by Mort Weisinger and Paul Norris. So we are going to be talking about that very special story. But first, we have to thank our sponsors, Instock Trades. 
This episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Ryan, what do you got? Well, since the other story in this issue that we're not going to be talking about was the first appearance of Robin, I decided to go something in that avenue since I figured you would have the Aquaman basis covered. There you go. So, I went with Robin Volume 1 Reborn. Uh, this is a relatively new trade paperback. It collects Detective Comics issues 618 through 621, Batman 455 through 457, and Robin 1 through 5. Uh, this, these are the first appearances of Tim Drake once he becomes, at the time, the third person to wear the Robin costume. Bit of a misnomer. Not to besmirch in-stock trades, but their product description for this book is a little bit misleading. Uh, it says that it collects Robin Volume 2, 1 through 4. That's actually in the second trade paperback of this series that comes out. All of the stories are written by Alan Grant and Chuck Dixon, and they're drawn by Norm Brayfogle and Tom Lyle. Mm. It, it looks great. It reads great. If you are a fan of the sort of 90s Batman era, this is the era that I grew up with. I love these stories. It's 290 six pages full color it collects 12 comics and plus there's bonus pages inside there's like a sort of a design sketchbook for what the new robin's costume was going to look like the actual price for the book is 19.99 in stock trades has it for 45 percent off only ten dollars and 99 cents which is less than a dollar per issue oh even professor allen could probably get behind that there you go Good deal. For me, of course, I am going to be covering Aquaman for this in stock trades price. Specifically, Showcase presents Aquaman Volume 1 trade paperback. 544 pages mm-hmm. of Golden Age slash Silver Age Aquaman-y goodness. Uh, Adventure Comics numbers 260 through 280, 282 and 284 and more. Featuring art by Ramona Fraden, the great Ramona Fraden. Kurt Schaffenberger, Nick Cardi, and others. The writers are Robert Bernstein and Jack Miller. In stock trades price is $9.34. Normal price is $16.99. That's 45% off. This is a whole heaping helping of Aquaman. And you can pick up any of the other volumes, Volume 2 or Volume 3. They're all available on InStock Trades. And I suggest you do because they are super, super fun. So for these and other, for all your other trade paperback needs, visit InStockTrades.com. And we thank them for their support. And we have another sponsor that we have to thank, and that is our pals uh, David Gatler and Steve Ellis, who do The Only Living Boy. The Jungle Book meets The Island of Dr. Moreau in the second volume of The Only Living Boy, Beyond Sea and Sky, on sale now from award-winning authors David Gatler and Steve Ellis. Recently nominated as one of the best comics for younger readers for the 2016 Harvey Awards, The Only Living Boy is an action-adventure series for the young and the young at heart. Captain America and Flash author Mark Wade said, Paul Pope and Jack Kirby never had a chance to work together, but if they had, it would only be slightly less awesome than this. The Only Living Boy is ready to join the bank, the ranks of books like Bone and Amulet as one of the very best, says Blaster. The Only Living Boy, Beyond Sea and Sky, is on sale now wherever great graphic novels are sold. Learn more at papercuts.com. And in case you don't uh, can't figure out how to go to www.papercuts.com, you can go to fireandwaterpodcast.com and check out the little banner ad that we have on the right-hand side column for Only Living Boy. So go out and check out that book. It's super, super fun. And uh, we said we thank The Only Living Boy for their support of this podcast as well. So, Ryan. We are here to talk about the secret origin of Aquaman from Secret Origins number seven, the reprint title. The, the, he got the uh, he was the second feature. Robin is the first feature, but they share the cover uh, equally. There's a, it's a great drawing of a, a by Nick Cardi of Aquaman riding a dolphin, and they said this reprints the story from more fun comics 
number 73. I'm going to do a brief plot synopsis, and then we'll, we will discuss a little bit, as you do on the regular Secret Origin show. Uh, this story is untitled, other than it's just called Aquaman. And the big splash uh, page is, features uh, Aquaman rescuing a damsel in distress while some Nazis shoot at him. Uh, the story opens with a passenger ship being sunk by a Nazi sub, who even decide to fire upon the lifeboats of the people escaping. Luckily, an arm suddenly appears out of the water to grab a lifeboat that is uh, under threat and drags it out of the way of an incoming Ratsy torpedo. After getting the refugees to safety, this mysterious figure jumps aboard the Nazi ship, knocking various crew members overboard. Captain crawls back inside, ordering the ship to submerge. Our hero then jumps back into the water, commanding a school of porpoises, porpoisei, to drag the boat to land. The ship's captain asks who this man of the sea is and what land he hails from. This man replies, from no land. My name is... Aquaman. We then find out this Aquaman's origin. Turns out his father, an undersea explorer, managed to build a completely waterproof home under the sea, where he discovered some secrets from the lost city of Atlantis. Part of their miraculous science was a way to extract oxygen from the water and turn the power of the sea into making one strong and swift, turning his son to do a true dweller of the deep. After turning down a reward from the captain, of course, Aquaman heads back into the water to find those Nazis, which he does. One of them manages to drop a sledgehammer on his head, knocking Aquaman out, beginning the first of many, many times the Sea King would uh, end up being knocked out by something uh, hitting him on the head. The Nazis tie him up, weigh him down, and throw him into the ocean. Big mistake! Aquaman can't quite break the chains himself, so he commands his finny friends to help him. He then finishes the job he started, knocking those Nazis senseless. When one of them throws a grenade at him, Aquaman catches it and hurls it back, exploding an entire storehouse of their munitions, killing the Nazi commander. Aquaman jumps back into the sea, ready for future adventures. And the final panel is it says, Much to do, yes. And Aquaman, sovereign of the sea, accepts the challenge of evil. From his lair in the deep, he rises to face new dangers and win new triumphs. Don't miss the new exploits of Aquaman coming soon in, and depending on where you read this reprint, it either says more fun comics or adventure comics. Uh, And that is the first adventure of Aquaman. Now, he does not appear on the cover. Uh, It's a Dr. Fate cover. The closest we will get to you figuring out that there's a new feature is a little blurb at the top that says, Three Smashing New Features. And other than a couple of issues where it says Aquaman on the cover, he will never make an appearance on the cover of More Fun Comics or even Adventure Comics all throughout his career in the 50s. But uh, we can get into that into another time. Ryan, what did you think of this first very brief story? I really, really liked this one. Um, And... I'm very hit or miss when it comes to Golden Age stories. Uh, Some of them read really well. Like, I love the Golden Age Wonder Woman stories that I've read. Um, Usually the stuff by Bill Finger, like Golden Age Batman and Golden Age Green Lantern stuff, reads really well, I think. But there's a lot of Golden Age material that I really struggle to get through, including Golden Age Superman stories. Uh, I've got, like, the the Superman Chronicles Volume 1 trade paperback that collects, like, his first ten appearances in action comics, I think. And I can usually only get like 50 pages into that before I, I set it away. I just – I can't get through. This one, I was very impressed with Weisinger's script. I thought this read very well. I loved the art. Um, yeah, and I, you mentioned the splash. Haha, <laughs> splash page. I think this is a great first page. This is a great little intro for the character. 
You see that the the cannon shell is bouncing off of his wrist. He's leaping up out of the water. There's a burning ship in the background. It's it's action packed. You get it. And yeah, no, I I liked this whole story. There's even lightning bolts coming out from the sky <laughs> for no real discernible reason. It just gives it another piece of of action. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this thing moves at a lightning pace. And you know, like a lot of stories of the time, Aquaman is gleefully killing his enemies because they're Nazis. Who cares? We don't care about Nazis. Yeah. 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 Um, any reprint that you will read of this story, uh, Aquaman's gloves will be green because they felt they had to color correct it. Uh, and it was only later on that Roy Thomas basically said, no, 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 the Earth 2 Aquaman, which there is one, Shag, the Earth 2 Aquaman has yellow gloves. But basically there is not any reprint I've ever been able to find of this story that has him in the yellow glove. Uh, the Millennium Edition has green gloves. The Secret Origins reprint has green gloves. And it's been reprinted a couple of times, but he's always got the green gloves. Um, in terms of the backstory to this of Mort Weinzinger, I have not done – I, if, if the reading is out there, I haven't done it, but I have looked around a little bit. There is not seemingly a lot of research that determines any of the backstory to how Mort Weinzinger came across to, 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 to create this character. Uh, this issue also features the first appearance of Green Arrow and Speedy, mm-hmm. uh, which is also created by Mort Weinzinger. So he had a hell of a productive week. <laughs> uh, I mean, giving birth to two characters that would still be published 75 years later and be the stars of movies and TV shows. I mean, for Pete's sakes, uh, I don't know why Mort Weinzinger is currently scrubbed from the history of the creation of Aquaman. If you look at any Aquaman comic book, it says created by Paul Norris. It does not mention Mort Weinzinger. I know there's some complications by the fact that he was a company employee, uh, but uh, why he's so just completely removed, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, do you know, like, would he have been brought in late in the game just to do basically dialoguing? I mean, was the story really Paul Norris's? As far as I've ever known, it was not. It was Paul, it was Mort Weinzinger. Like, he hmm. created the character and then they gave it to the artist to draw, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know why that is exactly someone i i know that is sort of familiar with the backstory of this stuff hinted at me that they were going to tell me sometime but they'd never done it so i still don't know uh but it's a good story i mean aquaman you know is pretty square here he's i mean but most of the golden age superheroes were, were pretty nondescript he's just one of your typically brave stalwart guys uh he just punches nazis left and right he's not worried about his own safety uh, at the end of the adventure he dives back into the sea with a sort of little uh, aphorism kind of thing which he would do in a lot of these stories where he says the submarine sunk the supply of weapons destroyed the leader of murder dead so ends one labor of Aquaman. But there was much to do in this perilous upper world. He tended to end a lot of his stories with a kind of <laughs> summing up, which I just find utterly charming. Uh, and I love the final panel of the Nazi being blown up. He's literally pitched into the <laughs> sky like a cartoon cat. Like it's a Bugs Bunny cartoon, as opposed to just being shredded into a million pieces, as what would happen if someone threw a, a grenade into a box of other grenades. I hope we get that scene in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope we get a moment of like like an explosion or something. Black Manta or whoever the main villain is just goes flying into the sky like Yee! a doll. With like a cartoon sound effect or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, his origin is, of course, not the origin that most of us are familiar with. This is the more sci-fi pulp story origin where his dad is this explorer and he teaches his son how to swim underwater. There's really no mention of his mother or anything like that. So it's just like, okay, he's just got a son and he teaches the teaches the kid to extract oxygen out of the water. So, okay, that's good and enough. And that's, that's one of the things that's kind of fascinated me about the character is his golden age origin is very 
science fiction based in as much they don't really explain it, but it is sort of scientific. Whereas the Silver Age reboot of his origin having to do with being, you know, half Atlantean is more fantastical, more mystical. And that seems like a flip because in the Silver Age, you know, starting with the Barry Allen Flash, their heroes were much more science-based. Right, right. Julie Schwartz was look, all about the science. Yeah. Exactly. But if you look at the Golden Age, you know, uh, the Golden Age JSA characters, you know, uh, Dr. Fate, the Spectre, Hawkman, even Green Lantern, it was more magical. It was more mysterious. So this, like Aquaman is kind of a reverse of the normal trend. Yeah, yeah. And, and this, uh, they ended up reusing using this origin for Aquaman, Son of Atlantis. And uh, sort I, I of Atlantis, I'm sorry. Not sort of Atlantis, Atlantis. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think part of it was why I really liked, now I only read the first trade paperback of the sort of Atlantis run, but I really liked that story. I, I thought that was an interesting take for the character. Yeah, yeah, I actually, yeah, that series has grown on me over time. But yeah, I, I love that it was a, a reuse of this origin. And, you know... Uh, I, part of me, like, you know, if I could if I could pick, you know, my perver- – and you might be feeling the same way with how you feel about Atlantis and Aquaman stories that are kind <laughs> of set in that realm. I would be fine if we never, like, went back there. I, I've always liked Aquaman as sort of a Tarzan or Mowgli type of character of the ocean, that he doesn't have his people there. His, his supporting cast undersea, to me, is – Dolphins and octopi <laughs> and jellyfish. And yes, that is silly, but that's not a problem. If you treat it that way, it can't be. But, you know, I, I'm fine with him just being the lone human who can explore this world with alien creatures that we don't connect with. But you can still do, I mean, you can, you can tell stories like that with his supporting cast being sharks and whales or other weird creatures that we've never seen because they come from, you know, 50,000 miles deep. And and I don't I I just say it like uh, they have told great stories with Volko and Mira Mira and the other Atlanteans. Uh, I know Mira's not technically an Atlantean. I would be fine if we got away from that and just had him be a Tarzan under the water, sort of. Yeah, I'm not. I've never been a big fan of him being like the savage Aquaman that kind of thing. Right, but, right, but, right. But yeah, I do like that idea just fine. And yeah, I mean these these early Golden Age stories, and we will be chronicling more of them on this show as we go on because I really do want to talk about them because they are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like. I sort of like how kindly Aquaman is to to the. I mean, like when the dolphins come rescue him, uh, which I don't even get anything about him being needed to be rescued while he's underwater because I mean he's got <laughs> he's being tied up by ropes. I mean, I really think he can just. Oh, they they do a good job of showing his strength. Like, you know, forget, like, Jeff Johns wasn't the first person to show that Aquaman is really, really strong because of his, his, you know, exposure to, like, living in the depths. You know, he punches a hole in a submarine. Yeah, page five. Yeah, I love it. He just literally just leans forward and punches a giant hole and sinks the sub by himself, (laughs) which is fantastic. I love his pun still on that same page while he's riding the dolphin. He's got, I have oceans of love for you boys. (laughs) He's taunting these Nazis. (laughs) And and you mentioned him being a sort of kindly figure. Uh, you know, I mean, the Submariner was created first. Right. But these aren't similar characters. They have two completely different temperaments. Uh, and other than living underwater, like, there's there's nothing really alike. Like, they have different power sets and different attitudes and... And yeah, but uh, so I yeah, I've always I've I've really really liked this character from the beginning, and and my first exposure to Aquaman, I'm sure it was the Super Friends cartoon sure. or like repeats of Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure, yep, yep. which 
By the way, if I ever got the chance to write an Aquaman comic, it would be a team-up between Aquaman and Superman where there is a ticking clock where they have one hour to solve a problem. <laughs> so I could call it the Superman-Aquaman Hour of Adventure. <laughs> With commercial breaks. Exactly. But, but yeah, and but the thing that I always know what stuck out, like you know, seeing him amongst all of those other DC heroes of the Justice League – his color set, his costume is so different from everybody else. Yep. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, they all had these bright primary colors. Oh, yep, reds yep, and yep. the blues and the yellows. Aquaman has these two secondary colors. They're not complementary. Orange and green. Yeah. He, he was the only one with blonde hair, and that kind of stuck out. And, yeah, just visually, he's, he's you know, you put any group of superheroes on it, I think he stands out for that reason, that he's just... He doesn't look like anybody else. Yeah, and, and one of the, that's one of the things that attracted to me when I saw him on Super Friends first as well. And he, to me, his he draws the eye because he just looks different than the other four characters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I love. He said, "I love when the dolphins come rescue him." And he says, "Thanks, friends. I knew you'd get my signal." <laughs> and then he busts the ropes and he's like, "I feel like a new man up here." Like he's just so sort of chipper. And then, of course, at the very next page, he throws a grenade and blows up a bunch of Nazis. I mean, he's yeah. just like. And there's a, in the, that same page is panel seven where the two Nazis are congratulating themselves for killing Aquaman. He's in the back and he's rearing up out of the water and he's hunched over and he's <laughs> rearing back his fist. It's such a great. He's like, "I'm gonna kick the living." <laughs> crap out of these two he just he's 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 one of these guys who can like turn vicious on a dime mm-hmm. which i love because i love that he rescues the, the 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 you know the the refugees from the boat he gets them and then yet he turns out and just kills the nazis just with no compunction i mean i just love that well i've always thought that aquaman's temperament should sort of reflect the ocean and it can be very like serene it can be very tranquil and calm but it can get stormy and violent <laughs> and and if you, when you see that part of it you better you know batten down the hatches or do whatever they say when the, when they're you know on the open ocean cuz it, it can it can be bad and dangerous for you. Yeah, uh, I I would love to know. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What what did you want to? I was actually I was going to ask you a question about the car- cover, the Secret Origins cover. Yes. Um, you, you, Nick Cardi is credited to it. Are those the, the the sort of split panels with Robin on one and Aquaman on the other? Are those original Cardi drawings, or were those taken from some other source? I think that the. I mean, I think that drawing is Cardi's gloss on Detective. 38, because I mean, it's yeah, the same yeah, it, thing. But I think that's a Cardi drawing. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think they just asked him to redraw, probably because space-wise they had to jam him in there. That drawing of Aquaman, as far as I know, is – it appeared on a, on a special, a DC and Aquaman special that they did. But I think – so it was either done for that cover and they reused here or done for this vice and reused. Versa. Or vice versa, yeah. So, and he looks great. It's him on the dolphin and he's pointing angrily and stuff like that. So, uh, I really love this this little book as a, as a kid. I mentioned on previous episodes that, like, the first comic book store that I ever shopped at – I was desperate to buy, you know, back issues as cheap as I could because it was like this was my intro into comics history. And this series was really cheap because, of course, they were all reprints. Mm-hmm. So I remember buying this Aquaman issue of Secret Origins like for like a dollar or something because I was like, ooh, an old Aquaman comic. That's cool. And, you know, I was sort of like flummoxed as to what this Aquaman was. Like, who is, wait a minute, what's this? Like, I wasn't able to really square that circle, but it didn't bother. I was like, okay, it's in kind of an older Aquaman. All right, that, that's fine. But I, I remember buying this and just, 
being like, wow, this is really cool. Because, again, it was a portal into an era that I was completely unfamiliar with. Yeah. Now, um, I am fascinated with the idea that uh, Aquaman ran in more fun for the next 30 issues. Uh, he never got a cover. Green Arrow got all the covers. I guess they perceived Green Arrow was a bigger a bigger draw. Then they, for, for whatever reason, DC moved the entire crew of, of More Fun over to Adventure Comics, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. And then they turned More Fun into a humor book. And there Aquaman and Green Arrow stayed for the next decade. Uh, they never missed, pretty much never missed an issue. I would love to know what, how they were able to determine that Aquaman was worth continuing to keep doing. Because they never put him on the cover, so it wasn't like you could say, well, hey, this issue of Aquaman with the cover, you know, this issue of Adventure that had the Aquaman cover spiked sales. So they must have known through, I guess, reader mail, such as it was in the 1950s, that Aquaman was worthy to keep doing. Because how else would they know? You couldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell from the sales figures. True. I don't know. If it was just Weisinger's influence or something like that, or... Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Um, Paul Norris, uh, he, of course, created the visual look for Aquaman, which is, you know, basically the, the one that we're still seeing nowadays. Uh, he didn't last that long on the more fun book. He, I think he did the Aquaman for about a dozen issues, and then it was handed over to another else, Paul Kazanov, mm-hmm. and then he eventually handed it over to someone else. But uh, so, so Paul Norris's run wasn't that long in Aquaman, but, of course, he created the look, and he became... You know, late, and later on, after he left comics, uh, he got rediscovered, and he lived long enough to sort of reclaim his, uh, you know, fame as the the co-creator of Aquaman, and he got to do commissions. And of course, he was the one that drew Aquaman on the big mural on the wall of the DC Comics offices. So he lived. Mm-hmm. For, I think he lived till about ninety three. So, you know, I was I was I never got a chance to talk to him. Unfortunately, I I almost did, but I never I never quite got there. And I'm I was happy to see that he lived long enough to you know own get to own the fame of creating a character that was still around 60 to 70 years later. That, that must have been probably pretty rewarding. Yeah, really. Yeah. So yeah. This, is, this is a really fun story, and it's the, it's the secret origin of Aquaman. So, you know, it's, uh, you, can, you can go find the Millennium Edition. It was reprinted in 2000 uh, as a Millennium Edition. You can get those for a song, and that's, that's where you have it, right, Ryan? I've, I've got the digital version. This digital is actually version. the more fun issue 73 is available on Comixology. It's only $1.99. You get the entire thing, which includes the Aquaman story, the first appearance of Green Arrow. There's a Dr. Fate story, a Spectre story, a Johnny Quick story, uh, a few others. You know, there's like seven or eight different stories in here. Um, yeah, and it, it's more fun than you'd actually think. <laughs> I, um, I completely did not yeah. mean to do that. <laughs> uh, and you're right. I mean, you said right up front that Aquaman never got an appearance in the 1980s secret origin story. He did sort of get a tangential one, which you know, the Legend of Aquaman one-shot special right, right. that came out in 1989, right during the sort of final year of the Secret Origins book. I've heard different, uh, like at, at one point I heard that that was supposed to be in the Secret Origins series, and then they were like, no, it was never going to be that. But for whatever reason, you know, there's that. It's got the Giffen and Robert Lauren Fleming story with Kurt Swan art, which... I'm not crazy about yeah, Chris one. Uh, certainly not. I hear, that I hear Chris Franklin waving his fist in the air. Right <laughs> I know, I know. Um, Eric Shanower did the inks on that, which yeah, I think yeah. I think made it look better. And that's a decent story. I don't know if that's what Aquaman needed in the '80s. Um, no, I, I'm going to come out and say <laughs> no. He did not. <laughs> it's a real darn shame that Eric Shanower didn't draw it because, of course, we know what Aquaman drawn by Eric Shanower looks like, and it's, it's great, terrific. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, speaking of that, I just put it up uh, today as part like my Facebook uh, wall picture or whatever. Uh, there, I, a couple. Well, gosh, by now it's probably like almost 15 years ago. I know at one point when Mark Wade was still in good with DC. There was a brief time where he was pitching an Aquaman series right. in the early 2000s, and was gonna. Be, it might have been Mike Waringo right, as his right. artist. Yep. Uh, Mike Waringo actually did like sketch art for, for for like what the take was going to be, and I, I you know, I love those those two guys as a couple. You know, I, I like their work on the Flash, but I loved them on the Fantastic Four. That run that they did on that book is one of my all time favorite series. So, if those two guys could have done an Aquaman story. That would have been phenomenal, but unfortunately, that never came to fruition, and Mike Waringo died way too young. Yeah, uh, it li- that series lives on in the alt universe that uh, has the uh, Wonder Woman series done by Darwin Cook. Yeah, that, that yeah. DC turned down. That, that's a much better universe. <laughs> I'd like to go live. Maybe we can get on the cosmic treadmill and go find out what that's like. So, so yeah, this is the secret origin of Aquaman. I really wanted to cover because I said it always bothered me, even when I was a teenager, that Aquaman didn't get to appear in Secret Origins. I know he got the separate special, but to me. He need he always always got excluded from DC. He never got his own digest. He never got his own treasury. He was always left. He was left out of almost entirely out of crisis. He wasn't in Legends. He was barely in Millennium. Like he always got left out, and so it just bothered me that like you know they had time for Chris Kale ninety nine, but not Aquaman in a book called Secret Origins. Now it's it's a little bit alleviated by the fact that they didn't do Wonder Woman either. Uh, you know, a, a huger character than even Aquaman. But still, I would have but killed to see in the Secret la- Origin. In the last couple, in the last couple letters columns, it's like Mark Wade says that Wonder Woman origin was coming in that book, right. yeah. and it just the series got canceled before that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that too. I, it's a it's a lost. I mean, yeah, the character deserves much better than that, and that's. And I think this story is evidence of it because this is a great, a great first appearance story. I love this one. Yeah, Thank I you for inviting me onto this one. You're welcome. I would have loved to have seen this retold in Secret yeah. Origins by like a modern crew. That would have been really, really cool. I would love to see him throw the yeah. grenade and blow up Nazis and drawn by somebody modern. It would have been really, really cool. The so. one, the one contemporary artist that I would love to see, even if it's just one issue of Aquaman, would be somebody like J. H. Williams the Third because he's Ooh, got such yeah. a weird command of almost artistic dialects and that he can just change from image to image. And you look at some of the stuff that he's done just mo- recently on Sandman or, or Batwoman and what he does like with the water and effects of that, yeah. like a story, an Aquaman oh, story by J.H. Williams III would be awesome. That'd be cool. That would, that would be really, oh great. Now I'm depressed. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, anyway, still Ryan, time with his movie coming out, maybe he'll get more exposure. That's true. Maybe so. Yeah. You, there's going to be uh, that Aquamarath one book. So maybe if that sells well, they'll do more stuff like that. So uh, Ryan, Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me. Like I said, I, I really enjoyed the story. I do love Aquaman. I was happy to find the Aquaman shrine all those years ago. And, yeah, it's been great to revisit these stories. Uh, where can people find you on the Internet? Well, as you've mentioned a couple of times, the Secret Origins podcast, which is available for the next couple of months. We're still doing new episodes, but it's it's winding down. Uh, I know. Uh, that is also available on the Fire and Water Podcast Network, as well as Power of Fishnets, the Black Canary and Zatanna podcast, and Give Me Those Star Wars. Very cool, very cool. And, of course, you can find our show, 
Fire and Water Podcast over at the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can visit me over at the Aquaman Shrine. You can visit Chag over at Firestorm Fan and check out all our other shows and leave a comment uh, using the contact page. Or you can also find us on Twitter and on Facebook under uh, FW Podcast over on Twitter. So, again, Ryan, thanks so much for doing this. I hope everybody enjoyed this look back at the Golden Age Aquaman. If you want to hear more, please let me know in the feedback. And, uh, well, I'll probably do more anyway because I want to do it. But if you enjoyed this, please let me know. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, Fan the flame and ride the wave. Ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. They stand for truth and justice and see a land in Super friends forever. Yeah. And there's the Nazi submarine forced to the surface. Shattered, the stricken raider is abandoned. One of dozens that are meeting the same fate. 